0: hello and welcome to episode 51 of the future tribe podcast on this week's episode i talk to pip rasmussen who you'll hear on radio and see on tv pip and i start our conversation looking at her professional pathway that she took to end up working at abc We also talk about the value of unpaid internships, the importance of gaining experience within an industry, particularly when it comes to the creative fields. Pip talks about the many setbacks she experienced trying to break into the industry, how it was actually a cold call to one of her former colleagues that helped her land her first proper job at ABC. Now I'm saying proper in air quotes. We then get into the logistics of working in the TV industry as a TV personality. I don't know about you but I've always wondered about how you dress, who dresses you, when do you turn up, how long do shoots go for. So I get to sort of scratch that little inquisitive itch of mine. We then talk about COVID-19 and everything that's happening around that because naturally they can't go to the studio at the moment. Um, to shoot. We then get into some of the details of Pip getting into her role at Triple J before we transition into work ethics and try to understand what drives Pip and the importance of pushing yourself professionally and not limiting yourself just because you're comfortable in those limits. That's all from me for now. Let's roll the intro and get into the episode. Welcome to the Future Tribe podcast, where we're all about taking your future to the next level. Whether it is interviewing guests or unpacking strategies, you know we will be talking about getting things done and backing you, a fellow optimistic go-getter. And now, as always, here is your host, the formidable, fortunate, and highly favoured Jermaine Muller. Hello Future Tribe. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. On this week's episode we've got Pip Rasmussen who's a TV presenter with ABC Me and does a little bit of radio with Triple J but we're going to get into it very soon because I've talked to her before and it sounds like she does more than just a little bit of radio but how are you today Pip?
1: (laughs) I'm really good. How are you?
0: Good thank you. Thanks for joining us.
1: Well thanks for having me.
0: Tell me a bit about ABC Me, Triple J and Uh, You know, for anyone listening from out of Australia, they're both uh, sort of state-funded TV and radio and entertainment sort of sources. Uh, So PIP's uh, really, yeah, out there uh, helping us all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so um, ABC is kind of like, um, what's the equivalent in America? NPR and like BBC in the UK. So um, government-funded, we're always getting undercut but government <laughs> thanks guys um but yeah we're pairing through with like lots of kids content on ABC me which is our kids channel which is sort of our age demographic of like can be like as young as 6 but it's mo- mostly like 8 to 14 um okay. we can kind of go over that as well around the 16 age but yeah that's kind of it like 7 7 to 8 to 14 and um yeah I've been presenting on there for 4 years which is insane um moved down to do that which was a very exciting like moving to a new city and doing a whole new job. I'd never done TV before, so it was pretty nerve wracking. Um, but yeah, I have a history with doing radio as well. I did, um, a lot of community radio, like just after high school during uni, um, and, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I found myself in TV, actually kind of by accident.
0: Right. But let's go, let's wind it all the way back. Uh, actually before Mm. that, let's say, if you don't mind me asking, how old are you right now? Uh, now? (laughs) Yeah.
1: 26 years old 26 years
0: old right now yeah
1: I feel like a 20 year old or 18 year old actually like in my head (laughs) why is that (laughs) um I don't know like I just I'm surrounded by young people all the time I am during work like with doing tv for kids like it's literally like you are making like the most absurd jokes there's lots of fart jokes going around but also (laughs) you just get to do like the the funnest most ridiculous things like Getting like slimed at the end of an episode because you lost a challenge. Like, what normal job like ever does that? Yeah, <laughs> so that's crazy. I mean, feel very young at heart.
0: <laughs> that's good though, right? Do, do oh, you it's think the best? Do you think you could be thirty five and do that?
1: Um, probably not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. Um, I definitely really
1: think there's an expiry. But yes, um, yeah. No, I feel like I could do it. I feel like I could do it for a few more years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: that's awesome though. Um, but let's let's rewind. So you're twenty six mm. now. When, what did you do coming out of school or was, was, so coming out of school, was that when you started sort of tapping into the entertainment stuff, would you say?
1: Yeah, kind of. Um, Like during school I was very into like drama and did like extracurricular drama club stuff on the side and mm. always really liked that. And then I went to uni, I went to uh, Macquarie uni and I did a bachelor of media, which was just like a pretty standard, like three year degree and during that time, I did like creative writing and radio as like my specialist stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, yeah, I did like a lot of community radio as well during that time with um, FBI, which is like a community radio in Sydney that like okay. is the main like big one that is just like a massive like push of like culture and new music and really right. like so so the biggest one yeah. that's
0: not like commercial radio, would you say?
1: yeah yeah definitely like it's like when you think of community radio in sydney you think of fbi when you're in melbourne you think of like R or like sin Mm -hmm. so yeah so i did that um and i found that i just really enjoyed presenting um i always really like on radio yeah Mm -hmm. i really loved like talking to people i loved it like doing interviews and I love doing um, I did like a lot of actually creative stuff like because I was sort of like a presenter on like a podcast as well where we would like do like storytelling podcasts Mm -hmm. so during that time I was like listening to heaps of podcasts and and, like making my own and like with uni as well I was getting those like technical skills up and doing heaps of assignments and like learning how to like piece together like really like awesome storytelling radio so yeah that was Mm -hmm. really fun yeah so So that's kind of how I found my way
0: right but then is community radio like a paid job are there paid jobs within it is it all volunteer how does that how does what does a community radio like what does a community really mean
1: um well there there are a few paid jobs in it um i was a volunteer with like most of the people who worked there mm-hmm. so basically like all the, like the on-air roles but also lots of off-air roles like producing um manning the front desk like reception like i did that a bunch um uh some other stuff like some music like organization and like um programming and stuff like some of those roles were like unpaid but then there were like you know like about I think at the time maybe like six or seven people who really did like run the station they were paid um and they got paid through like sponsorship like grants and stuff and like every year like FBI has to like really hustle to get people to like you know, sponsor them and like, you know, people like us to pay for a subscription. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how that ran. And like those kind of roles that were paid, you know, that was like the main music director, like the program director who like organizes all the content and like the direction, like the marketing people, the design people. And I think, uh, I forget the name of it, but the person who's basically like running the whole stuff. Like
0: station. the CEO is sort of person. Yeah, kinda
1: of like that. Yeah. yeah so they're payrolls. Yeah. Yes. But like, you know, they're people who like had been doing it for years and I was just like, like all my other peers in my little FBI cohort. Like I was just a young gun who was just like, Yes, I'll work for free. Like I just wanna be on radio. Oh my gosh. Like, right. Yeah. So was so that, that was your
0: fun. sort of was it that experience that was the driving force there? Because a lot of people don't want to work for free. I think it, that's fair to say. Mm. But, you know, obviously you had something that drove you to want to work for free because there was there was a value transfer that you felt like was worth it. Um what mm. was that what was the reason there?
1: Um that's a good question. I think there's a lot of things. I think like um the driving force for me to want to be there and do that was because one it was such a hub of culture and like just really cool artists were coming in all the time. And it was such a, it's such a good, like, step into that world if you're into music. Um, two, like, if you want to do radio, you just have to do free work. Like, there's mm-hmm. no way around it. Like, um, it's like, it's kind of like you just pay your dues. Like, you're doing it. And, like, it's such a welcoming, fun environment. And people are, like, all learning. And it's really, like, collaborative and, like, lovely to be around the same like-minded people who just want to make good good content. Mm-hmm. So that was also a driving factor. Cause it was just like, I have, to, I have to do this. Like well, this guess, is my stepping yeah. stone like, like what, into what, other jobs.
0: You can't just take the job on without that experience. And this is sort of that age old mm. thing about that comes up, right. That employers want people with experience, um, mm. but they're not willing to you know, hire someone without experience to get that. Mm. It, it's that sort of catch there. Um, but I guess, you've you just sort of sought out this opportunity that let you as a volunteer you felt like you would have felt like you didn't need to necessarily turn up and know every single thing obviously had the background so that probably helped but um, Mm. I guess you just saw it as that I can just get value out of this that helps me moving forward is that fair to say yeah
1: yeah just being in the building was like an opportunity where you would just find things and if when people like notice you if you are doing good at something or if you just put your hand up for things and just be like hey I've got free time like I can help out and like that's the spirit of community radio like you're all just there like trying to help each other out but it's also such a valuable learning um, place and community um, and also a valuable opportunity just to get your foot in the right door and yeah it's just it's also like there are some people there who just do it because they like literally love music and they don't want a mm-hmm. job out of it. And they're just yeah. like, really just like, there was some being
0: like that person and being totally in that role and ena- enabling that for everyone who listens and everyone who experiences mm. what you guys are putting out there. Um, exactly. So like, and they yeah, were the, doing it for the passion people of who,
1: it. yeah, exactly. They were the people who had been there for like many, many years, like, like just had a show for like more than 10 years or something. wow And they were just like, they were like the legends of the sort of <laughs> yeah, the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I was like the young gun who was like, so hungry for like you know experience, experience and yeah. and to meet people like it was so fun like I still have like pretty good mates in there mm-hmm. um so yeah it was a really fun experience
0: so what happened next like are we was your next move then to go and apply for a paid gig and get one or were you, what like how long did you do the community stuff before you know you took that next step um in in what you want to do
1: mm. Um, I can't remember how many years I was there. I feel like I was there for a short ish time. Um, because I, how many years was it? Man, I can't even remember. Um, (laughs) like were you like like
0: 1920 or
1: yeah, I was like 20. Mm -hmm. I was in uni and I, I think I was like about 19 or 20. And I Mm -hmm. think I was there for like maybe two years and, um, uh wait what was the question
0: (laughs) (laughs) it was um actually did I forget the question as well um it was when okay yeah how did you get what was that next step what was that next step like what 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 happened
1: okay so what happened was I was uh I was working I was volunteering there for like two to three years doing different things moving around a little bit and then I um One of my program director at the time, Caroline Gates, who is a legend, um, saw this thing come through on like an email being like, hey, ABC uh, three at the time, it's now me um, uh, looking for uh, presenters and they're just doing an open call, like an open cast to like the whole country. She was like, I think you should do this. And I was like, "Okay, yeah, I will. Um, and then I made a video and then I sent it in as like my self tape, my audition. Mm -hmm. And then they really liked it. And then they flew me down to Melbourne to audition in person. And then I didn't get it. And I was just like, oh, okay. That's cool. That was fine. I had such a fun time. I literally just could not believe that someone flew me to do like a job. I was like,
0: mm-hmm. what? The <laughs> so, your hell? expectations like, were fairly happened. low in terms of outcomes as well, would you say at the time?
1: Kind of, yeah. Like, I wasn't expecting it and I'd never done TV and I just yeah. like, I just was just like whatever, yeah, this is fun. I'll do it. Um, and I was working at Pumpkin Batch at the time. And I remember like telling my workmates and being like, "Ha, like I'm going to Melbourne.
0: Woo! <laughs> yeah. See
1: you suckers." <laughs> then I was back and I was like, ah, I "Hello." <laughs> <live."> <laughs> but um, but yeah, what happened no, there? It was crazy. It was crazy. So I went down. I auditioned. They really liked me, but they were like, "Yeah, um, you're really great. Let's keep you on file, um, and we'll go with some other people." And it was fine. Came back, did more FBI stuff, and then. I got a job at like a digital marketing agency and I worked there for like nine months. Um, and then that wasn't right for me and we went our separate ways and, um, and then I got a foot in the door at Triple J as a receptionist. Um, and, that was because I heard that they were hiring like internally. And at the time, um, like I was fortunate enough that like my dad had was working at ABC and he was like, Hey, they're looking for a receptionist for like three months. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh yes. <laughs> like, Oh my goodness. This is like my dream to work at triple J. Like I want to be in there. I don't care how. And he didn't care I'm that it was a receptionist. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah no, you just totally. want to get in so that I was... building.
1: I guess. Totally. And, and, yeah. and
0: going off what you'd seen with community radio, you just knew that, that same atmosphere or the same rules sort of applied at triple J in the sense that if you were in the building, you were, you were sort of in amongst it. So you, you, you just knew that you just needed that foot in the door.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Like, and that was it. And that was like a massive opportunity, even though it was just a reception job, but I loved mm-hmm. it. Like I turned up every day, I was like the happiest person there. Like people would come in, I'd be like, oh, how are you going Alex Dyson? They're like, oh, what a <laughs> great day to be alive. Like, it was like when Matt and Alex were on. So it was just so great. And I was there for three months and um, it was just like a cover thing. Yeah. And then it was coming up to the end of the three months. And it had been like, a, I think it had been like a year or like maybe two years um, after I had auditioned first for ABC3. Mm. And I was like, oh man, I'm about to be unemployed again. Okay, great. Um, what am I going to do? So How old are I, we now?
0: Like, are we 22 um,
1: ish? Okay, so if I, I, Went down in 2016. I must have been, yeah, like 22. Mm-hmm. You're better mm-hmm. at this timeline and age thing than me. Like I literally <laughs> need a map. Like I have no idea. My life is just, I'm just blurred.
0: I'm just guessing and throwing numbers <laughs> out there. So you're 22. You're about to be unemployed. You've done like a, a three-month cover, you know, when someone's on yeah. mat leave or something. and Some like that, yeah. Where what, what are you doing now? So it's been two about two years since ABC me and yeah sort of i that, think it
1: was like i think i first auditioned in like two two 2014 so i think mm. you're right i think it was two years so i was about to be unemployed and i was just like screw it like i will email um uh i will email this lady who i met on that audition she was like the executive producer of the whole channel and i was like all right cool send an email was like hey how are you guys going um i'm good also looking for work do you want to audition tape do you want to self-tape like is anything going yeah love to hear from you see you later bye and then she got back to me like strangely quickly and was like actually we are looking for new presenters why don't you send something through and I was like oh wow. my gosh yes and so then uh-huh. I did and then I got a call and I was like I remember where I was I was like at the reception desk like just chilling doing my job and then I got a call um from this lovely um EP Jan Stradling um who was EP at the time, not anymore. But like she was just like, yo, like we'd love you to come down and audition. Mm-hmm. So I did. And then they flew me down again. And I did that whole thing. And thing. that was really fun. And then I went back and then I got a call again while I was at work. Um and she was like, Yeah, we'd love you to come to Melbourne and Whoa. Work like you've got a job. Like you've got it. And I was just yeah. like man like i can't <laughs> yeah. tell you the like the elation that i had from that phone call like you know one of those phone calls that you're like low key, may have changed my life like yes man- yeah like this, is, like
0: this has changed yeah. the trajectory of everything that i had in front of me
1: literally yeah because i did not wow. like i was not trained in tv at all like i knew mm-hmm. radio stuff i didn't do like youtube videos like yeah. i was just like I don't know, like what sold it for them, but I was just like, oh my goodness, like I can't believe this is happening. Like I'm gonna work in TV. How do I? How do I even like? I like don't what know I how do. To do? Yeah, it. yeah. Like what,
0: <laughs> what you I know? Do? do you turn up with the makeup done, and ready to go, or do you turn up and do that? Do they do all that to you? Like yeah. who picks the outfits? Um, these are actual Literally. questions that I have for you, who, do, who, oh, who does all that stuff?
1: <laughs> I would tell you actually a funny story. Like this is a little value add, like I was so unaware of like how kids TV like worked and the etiquette that when I turned up for this audition in 2016, I was wearing, re- I was like, I'm dressed so cool. Like, yeah, they're going to love this. I was wearing this top, which I thought was hilarious. Cause it was a Daria top, like uh-huh, show yeah, Daria, uh, yeah, which yeah, yeah. used to be massive on ABC3. Um, for people who maybe don't watch this, like this is like an iconic show. I think it's from Canada. So if you're international, you probably know. Yeah, Darya. yeah, Diary is um, international. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I was wearing this top, except it was like kind of like a weird off-cut design, and she was like smoking a cigarette, <laughs> and they were like. Yeah, we really can't like audition with this <laughs> top. She's smoking a cigarette, and I was literally like,
0: "Oh, no. oh it's a kids' oh, no. show!" <laughs> oh,
1: that was so funny. So, what happened then? That was did they so just ridiculous. give you like a
0: different out, like different top or something? Like they, would, they have... I
1: was wearing like a shirt, like a flanny, so they were just like, Oh, uh, yeah, it yeah, it's all good." Yeah. And yeah. I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I just <laughs> totally didn't even realize." But anyway, um, so yeah, uh, so the question is like, how do people dress you? What do you do? Do you like what happens up? there? Um, yeah, out of interest for the audition or for the actual job for the
0: actual job like do you turn up every day ready to go or do you turn up and sort of you they get you ready to go how does
1: um well on a normal shooting day when you go to studio like you will go to makeup really early they'll make you up and then you have a little bit of time to go through your wardrobe which um you know like they've the clothes that they've bought for you but you obviously like you're there when they purchase them and stuff so you like yeah I like this or I like that and they kind mm-hmm. of somewhat form an image of like you like but a more exaggerated so like my kind of thing is like well I'm kind of like enjoy a little bit of like a gothic emo kind of side of me so that's Mm -hmm. kind of like you know we'll put you in plaid and stuff like that Uh (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah so that's fun um and then you do that and then you go down to set but like you know recently filming um during isolation very different I do my own hair and makeup like I you know dress myself with my clothes in my house which is fine because like of years of doing tv and especially working for abc where you can't um advertise and you can't endorse any brands mm-hmm. um so yeah like doing that like it's fine because i've had years of experience of making sure whatever clothes i buy like i never buy like clothing with a brand on it because i'm yeah. like oh i might want to wear this on tv and like so yes
0: yeah. and i can't if it's got um, a brand on it
1: exactly so yeah
0: yeah, because so how it kind of goes because we're talking right now, sort of. I mean, what looks like is the tail end of the whole COVID nineteen thing. Um, just just to give everyone context, um, yeah. and so you guys have been filming from home. Is that how? Is mm. that sort of how it's looking at the moment? Because you're you you can not But does that mean that all? Do you know you've like ABC in general aren't producing shows like in studios at the moment, or is it just select things that have gone? to the individual creators
1: well for us we're completely um isolated at home no producers here it's all like a video chat call like what we're doing kind of thing um but there are some shows that are filming in studio uh the weekly i believe is filming at the moment um and they have to be released yeah with charlie Pickering, it's kind of like a news kind of fun show parody ish um But yeah, they're doing like very strict, like 1.5 meter rules. Mm -hmm. I personally don't know how that works with makeup. I'm like, how do you do that? (laughs) Perhaps the hosts and the talent are doing their own makeup. That would be a way to get around that for sure. But um, if you're in a big enough studio, I'm like, yeah, I can see that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does make it not for great TV in a way because you can't be close to someone if there's like personal connection.
0: Yeah, yeah, you start to. Yeah, I think it's all just. At distance, cheated
1: with camera angles so it doesn't right. look awkward, but like yeah. I reckon at the time you'd be like, So Charlie how's the? like, yeah, 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 be kind of weird, it could be a bit
0: weird, um, yeah. But so um yeah, where oh,
1: yeah,
0: you. I was just gonna say, you get into this, uh, you get into ABC Me, so you get the gig, um, mm-hmm. and so you still work for ABC as well at the moment, and mm-hmm. you're doing triple J on the side, sort of, um, at the moment as well
1: that's right. Um, so sort of, I have a regular slot with my mate, Eli, who's my co-host. Um, and we regularly sort of do an all nighter or a graveyard shift Mm -hmm. that goes, um, on a Friday morning from one till 6am. And, um, yeah, it's pretty brutal, but, uh, we do really love it. Um, and we have a lot of fun and we've been having a really great time because, uh, we've been getting some weekend AVO shifts, which is sort of like Saturday two till six and then Sunday two till five. Nice. and that's such a fun time slot like everyone is so chill uh-huh. we get to have like a bit of talk back and like talk about our like personal lives and what's going on and have a bit of a laugh and it's great like we've been really loving it so we've been doing that as well we've been covering for good nights which is sort of like a brand new music show on triple j it's like the sort of um premiere music show where uh-huh. we just like yeah like drop like all these new songs new from songs like artists all over the world yeah, yeah. which is and like really crazy
0: so two questions there one how's, mm. how are you i mean is the whole production of the the radio stuff also in isolation now so you're doing it remotely or are you going into a studio
1: we are going into studio yeah. um, because they're big enough to be able to like be far mm. away from each other um yeah i just like a lot of um triple j presenters like especially the specialists are doing stuff from home um right. so they've like got like a whole mic set up and i think they like sit in their closets um to get that sound <laughs> yeah. padding yeah yep. and do do the show i actually don't know how they mix it i'm really intrigued as to how do they do that they must have all just learned how to do it which is really impressive yeah um but yeah i believe that like I feel like the sh- like most. Oh, I actually can't say I don't know because like a lot of the shows are broadcast from Sydney, mm-hmm. um, not as many from Melbourne. So I'm not like in the office and I don't see who's there and whatnot. But I have a feeling like the duo shows are in studio potentially. Yeah, that would wrong. make sense
0: where you need the chemistry <laughs> because it's hard to sort of mimic that. I yeah. think even even if you're really good friends and can see each mm. other. It's hard, but we never actually clarified. So you started in Sydney, moved to Melbourne. That's and right. that's where you're based out of now. Yes. And you moved yep. forward. So
1: yeah, so when the ABC me job got the um all clear, the go, I moved from Sydney in two thousand and sixteen. And moved to Melbourne, and I've been in Melbourne ever since. And now it is twenty twenty. So
0: yeah, wow. And um, the Triple J gig—how did that come about? Because you were obviously working on in TV with ABC. Mm. Um, what made you think, you know, I I need more work? Like, like
1: <laughs>
0: why, why did you why did you did you pursue that, or did, did that come sort of knocking as an opportunity? how did that come about?
1: Oh, I was doing the knocking for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've always wanted to be on air with triple J, um, in some format. And, um, I was doing a lot of work in Sydney because, for ABC me, because I was doing a prank show and a, like all of the filming was in Sydney and the main triple J offices are in Sydney. Uh-huh. So I'd always go up and say hi to all the people that I knew from when I worked as a receptionist and I kept up like all those like friendships in a way and like it was really nice just going and saying hi to everyone see how they're doing and I knew um the uh sort of manager of triple j um who's there at the time and like I knew him and I would just drop in every now and then to say hey and see what's going on with the station and stuff and then there was like one day where I was just like talking to him I think I forget how it kind of happened but on the spot I was kind of just like I'm going to do it. I'm going to pitch this idea of me and my friend, Eli. I had been thinking for a while that we would be good as like duo because we previously worked together on a kid's show, like on ABC me, where it was very like vlog style banter. Like we just got on like really, really well. And we had a great time doing it. And for a while I was like thinking about it. And then he told me like my friend, Eli was like, I'm moving back to Melbourne. And I was like, Great. And so I was just like, yeah, I'm gonna pitch this idea to this manager and just say, like, I have this good friend, we get along really well. Um, I think like we could make like a really good duo in radio. And it's sort of just like he was just really interested straight away. I like showed him some clips of like us together and Mm -hmm. like working together in the TV sort of thing, and then told him a bit about him, like and yeah he was interested so then it kind of just like organically grew from there where he was like all right put in a demo and then we were making demos which is um where you basically just make up a fake show or you just get an old playlist and you sort of go through and um hit record on like the studio and just like do it as if it's a real show Uh so that was fun um and then we had to really quickly learn how to panel which was scary that's like Um, mixing
0: and like you know, bringing in songs and sort of, yeah, coming out of uh, breaks and stuff like that.
1: Exactly. So like pushing buttons, um, hitting promos, hitting songs, turning up the mics when you're talking. It's like, I had some experience doing it, obviously with like, as I said, with community radio, like, Mm -hmm. which was really handy. Like, I can't tell you, like, just having a sense of how it worked was just like, so good. Even though this desk was like, way more advanced than the FBI <laughs> one. The FBI one was like falling apart all the time. Like you had to use CDs. It was terrible. Yeah, Whereas this right. one wow. was like a digitized completely digital system.
0: In 2016 that
1: same Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. But
0: everything's more digital and more sort of up to date. But I guess that's exactly. what you that that's the difference between the levels of funding that they they receive and mm, um and massively. you know I imagine that triple J is much closer to like a commercial setup um, then, then a community radio setup.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. It's like really good. Like the studios are really awesome. And, um, yeah. So then we learned how to panel really quickly. And then, um, we did a bunch of demos and then, uh, we got offered sort of like a weekend slot over summer. So mm-hmm. all and the regular this. presenters last
0: year was this 2019 or yes
1: this is the end of 2019 so around like november last year um and it is currently may now for people listening (laughs) yes in the future may 2020 (laughs) um yes so november 2019 i came back from doing a bunch of stuff with abc me and then we kind of just went straight into like doing this summer thing and it was like really intense to learn so much so quickly and the the guy the manager of us ollie was like um, I think he said a bunch of times, like in an email in person, he was like, I'm expecting like a meteoric rise from you guys, like to be up to, to get you gaffed up, to be able to go on air, like properly, like, you, like we're going to like hustle. <laughs> I was right. Just like, yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, so this, this
0: meteoric sentence. rise is that the, the, the guy who knows what he's talking about is sort of saying he expects you guys to like basically just upskill yourself, like unbelievably to be ready for prime time. Um, which would have been scary at the time
1: it was because like we had just been doing mid-dawns where not many people listen as you can imagine there's a lot of shift workers there's Uh people up who are partying so that was always like that's always like really fun and good because you get to learn the ropes and you don't feel as much pressure but like yeah moving from that sort of slot to being like hey I really want to give you this like summer weekend thing it's like every weekend the whole summer while the regular presenters are all taking their holidays. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you guys are going to be great. It's just that like you need flying hours before I feel like, you know, confident. I mean, I feel like he secretly was confident the whole time. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure there was confidence (laughs) there, but I guess it's
0: just sort of saying, you know, but things need to sort of just, I mean, radio is on the fly, you know, live, Mm. right. Um, It's Mm. not um, as as far as I know, the the songs are about <laughs> the songs and the promos are about the only things that are recorded. Everything else you've got to sort of make it just happen. Um, yeah. And I guess I'm sure he was confident, but you know he still had to just. It's one of yeah. those you know like a teacher who knows that you can do it, but just need you to know that you need to work to do it and to get there
1: 100 um, percent. that's, that's exactly to... how it felt like it was like a teacher who believed in us but was also just like pushing us to be like this is your this is your opportunity this like go for gold yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah.
0: that that was uh about six six seven months ago now um yeah and so you you're still on triple j while you're doing the abc mm. me stuff during the day is that sort of how it's working so you're doing nights yeah. and weekends and then weekdays and days
1: yeah i'm in this like really um fun period of life where (laughs) i'm like Got so much work at the moment. Um, So I do ABC Me. That's
0: sarcasm in her voice
1: for for you you who
0: can't see her facial expression to really, really hammer that at home. is a bit of sarcasm.
1: I'm like grimacing because I'm like, why did I get myself into this position? And I'm like, no, the hustle is good. This is what we need to do. Um, But yeah, like I do ABC Me four days a week and then um, that's like working during the day. And then on a Thursday, which is my last day with ABC Me, I do that whole day. I finish, have some food, go to sleep and get back up again and then work Uh, all night for like six hours, seven hours and then I go back to sleep and then I have Friday, Saturday, Sunday to recover. But mostly it doesn't take that long to recover. It's fine. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the regular thing at the moment. But as I said... um, you know, like a lot of presenters have been, I guess, taking some time off and moving around and doing different things. So they I'm getting emails and calls like all the time being like, Hey, can you fill in on this weekend, like this day, this day, yeah, can you do nice. this show? Yeah. Which is really awesome. And then in that case, when that happens, we get a prep day to like on Friday and then we go on air Saturday and Sunday. And then when that does happen, I'm working like full time you know, eleven eleven, twelve days straight. Yeah. And then I have a break and then I start again. So it's pretty intense but um like at the same time to give context to everyone if you're listening in the future like you know a lot of us and a lot of our friends don't have jobs you know a lot of Mm -hmm. my friends especially in the music industry who are like gigs are dried up you know retail hospital everything and like that's the thing about this period. I'm that you're like, man, I am so overworked, but also I am hashtag blessed. Like, yeah, so fortunate. And blessed. Yeah. Which is crazy <laughs> fortunate during this time. So, I really mean, can't complain. Yeah. You know,
0: because one could say that even at the best of times, um, the entertainment industry is uncertain at the best of times. And then you add, you know, like you said, all these fallback opportunities that you might be trying in music, trying in entertainment, and the fallbacks, you know, your cafe job, your hospitality job your retail job, those have dried up as well. And then you're left in a position of, you know, really hoping that you have savings because otherwise you're sort of in a, in a really rough spot. But um, I've got a bit of a curveball for you. What, what do you think... Oh what do you think drive like has created this drive in you? Like, are you, have your parents always sort of been reminding you that you've got to work for what you want or like what, what, what sort of, or did something click at some point or have you, were you like this through school sort of just saying, I'm just going to put my hand up as much as possible. Where does this mm-hmm. come from?
1: Um, I'm definitely that kind of person. Yeah. At school, I was always like putting my hand up for things, wanting to try really hard. And I think it comes from my mom. Um, mm-hmm. she, um, has always been like low key hard on myself and my brother, but like in a good way, mm. like not in a way where I was like resent her at all, but like in a way that's like, she's instilled like a really intense, like work ethic with me and my older brother. And like, I think like just going through school, like I think, um, I wasn't very like smart at the start of high school. Like when I say smart, that sounds really weird. But like, like book smart, I didn't you felt like Yeah, you like, like I wasn't yeah. book smart and I wasn't like the top student. And I moved from like a pretty like small primary school to like a pretty like intense, like very academic, competitive high school. Mm-hmm. And like you know when you like go to school and they like um break up the classes yes, into like into tiers? different levels, yes. Yeah. So like blue was like really smart and then purple was like <laughs> y'all dumb like like, (laughs) it's embarrassing like to study hard so like I was in purple and that was like low-key I was like okay cool uh this is funny I was with my purple mates, so we were always like we're the dumb ones but then like yeah like going up through school like I worked like really hard to get good marks like it didn't come naturally to me and I had to like study really hard and I think my mom was a major component in encouraging me to do that and to really like push myself and like have like really good um, work ethic and like uh, ability to like, co- like not, not like compartmentalize, but just like um, manage, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of um, kids message me over my Instagram and stuff, asking for advice about all sorts of things like bullying and like school and like learning disabilities and stuff like that. And they're like, how did you like do school? And I'm like, man, it was just, I was so good at like knowing my time and like like studying really well and giving myself breaks and, mm-hmm. and like stuff like that. So you so, like knew
0: yourself well and how to how to set things yeah. up so that it worked for you versus mm. just sort of going in blind and not – so you sort of – I guess you were very good at probably like talking to yourself and realising, okay, now I need a break or I need to set it up in such a way – that I get the mm. most out of this study sesh where, you know, you're mm. not coming out of the other end really tired and thinking, why did I just do this? Not remembering anything, but, you know, optimising things that work said so it worked for you.
1: Yeah, 100%. That and also, like, I probably, I don't tell kids this, like, over messages, like, when I give them advice and stuff, but, like, probably was, like, a bit of, like, a fear of failure kind of mm. vibe as well and, like, disappointing my parents. And, like, I hold my parents and, like, i hold them to like such a high regard like i respect them so much and we have like a really good relationship which is amazing because like not everyone does have a great mm. relationship with their parents but like yeah like the fear of like not doing my parents proud also was a massive drive i mean obviously that was just like during school yeah. and like you just you know it's like your formative years you're trying to figure yourself out and then after school like that drive and feeling maybe i guess like the hunger success in a way like the feeling of like yeah doing good marks because i worked hard okay cool well uh i really want to get to this like radio yeah. you know career um what do I have to do okay I'm gonna work for free like I'm gonna network my ass off like I'm gonna like meet people and like all the while it was like really fun like this was never like a chore for me like I was just like oh I'm loving this this is what I want to do so yeah I think that drive and that came from mum to be honest yeah yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) and but I, I love it because I think a lot of people wish that they could tap into something like that 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 lets them you know, push this way because it's very easy to be discouraged, right? Like, I mean, let us be honest. Like it's very easy to be like, uh, oh, I tried, I failed, I'm just gonna go home now, versus like yeah. I tried, I'm gonna keep trying, and I'm gonna keep trying. And then, you know, what part of sort of what you've told us is that there was also like opportunities where you were just like, hey, I'm gonna be almost annoying and be like, Do you have any opportunities for me? And you know, like I know you're busy, but like is there anything coming up? And I guess it's it, we don't we don't need and you didn't need a license from someone permission to sort of do that. You just sort of felt like you should go out there and do it. And I, I I love that personally because, like, instead of making excuses, you almost did the opposite. You almost sort of you know um gave yourself the permission to not make an excuse and just go out there and sort of ask questions and and just put your hand up multiple times by the sounds of it, um mm. where you know. Um it could have been very easy to sort of go, Oh, I'm just not cut out for, for TV or I'm just not cut out mm. for this kind of thing. Um mm. let's talk about some of the mistakes that you've made. Um <laughs> sort of thinking back. I'm sure there's
1: there's
0: <laughs> bits and pieces and uh it sounds like you know you're somewhat uh hard on yourself. So I'm sure you can come up with all sorts of stuff. But you know, what listen like thinking back, what what things do you do you think were I mean, not necessarily mistakes, but things that um, are tips to look out for if you're if you're doing this sort of thing, uh, or if you want to chase a career in in a similar field. Um,
1: mm. What
0: what comes up? Because I mean, I don't think mistakes probably are the wrong word because it's it, you, it would have been sort of a learning or teachable moment for you. Um, but looking back, you know, what what things did you would you do differently?
1: Oh my gosh. That's like a really hard question. Cause I think you're right. Like the, the word mistake is kind of like pretty heavy. Like I kind of don't think I would change anything Mm -hmm. because I'm happy with where I'm at now, but at the same time, like there's always room for improvement. So, um, I guess like a teachable moment would be, um, always be like yourself, which sounds really, really lame and sounds like every motivational person ever is. Just <laughs> like, be genuine, like be yourself. And they'll and love you like,
0: if you're just yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think like something you said before actually really resonated um, with the like how you were like, oh, maybe it was kind of annoying. Like you were annoyingly like asking questions and stuff like that and being in people's faces. But like, um, yeah, that is actually like one of the most valuable things to do. To be like in that moment, like not, not, not getting people's faces or anything. Cause that's just rude. But like, um, Oh, how do I want to explain this? This is like a hard concept that I've only just thinking about now. Well, well <laughs> I guess
0: it, it's, it's sort of that thing where like, you're not owed anything. So they don't, they don't owe you a response and you're not, you're not sort of, you're not you know, annoying them, you're just sort of pushing to get something for yourself, not get what you want, because that almost sounds a bit bratty. But I guess it's just realizing that, you know, uh, when a no's a no, and when a no's a maybe, and knowing Mm. when to sort of push.
1: Yeah, I think just don't be afraid to ask questions. And don't be afraid to knock on doors. I think that's like one massive takeaway thing. And I think I've never made the mistake of not doing that. I feel like I've done it like enough. And I'm like, well, I could be doing it more for sure. Like, but like, yeah, never be afraid to just be that person, like asking those questions and always putting your hand up for things. Um, because I found that like, people are like, attracted to you in that way when you are always up for something and they like that quality in you like mm-hmm. and that's what i found with my experience is that people liked that i was like always up for something like I, i'm like down to try anything mm-hmm. um even if it was to the discomfort of me and like that there is a lot of moments like during my career in a sense where i'm like whoa this is kind of like a little bit uncomfortable for me to do like i might be a little bit embarrassed about something like um, you your depth new-
0: Stuff like that, um,
1: or? maybe not so much like out of my depth, but more like an embarrassment vibe, Because right, like,
0: if, like, as in, yeah, I'm portraying myself in this way, but it's sort of like yeah. I sh- should almost be like getting slimed. I guess it's t- yeah. t- t- getting used to,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting written into scripts of like, you know, you have to do this or you have to be out in public and, and do this in front of strangers, and yeah. it's just like there's a moment where you're like, ah, oh, I really like, kind of don't want to do that, but then you put that at behind you and you are just like look this is gonna look good on tv mm-hmm. and kids will like this mm-hmm. and you just have to like let that part of you go and there've definitely been a few times where i've been a little bit like i'm uncomfortable doing that and like maybe i could have just been a bit more receptive to the idea of it um i don't know if that's helpful for anyone who's listening no <laughs> i, I, that's I such think, a niche thing <laughs>
0: but but i think <laughs> that that comes up in a lot of times like i mean you know in, in almost any profession there, there comes an opportunity to, you know, be thrown in the ring for like public speaking or like making an announcement. Um, and I, and I'm just thinking back for the, to, you know, just all sorts of roles where, where someone goes, oh, Jermaine, can you just say a few words like out of nowhere? And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't like public speaking. I'm quite the opposite. Like I'd be hidden in a corner, even in like a public setting, but you know, that's effectively what you're talking about. It's sort of just, just sort of going, okay, this might be uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it. And then you do it and realize that at the end of the day, no one, and I, and I love saying this, and it, I don't mean it in like a, a mean way, but like no one cares as about something as much as you do, especially when it comes to yourself. Like, oh you, my
1: gosh, yes.
0: People don't even pay attention in a lot of cases. Like, you think that, you know, yeah. oh, I walked around with, I don't know, some chocolate on my face. Chances are people <laughs> didn't even care. Like, no one noticed.
1: Yeah, um, I know what you mean, that phrase of like where, um, when you talk to people about like, whether they're like, I care so much about what people think of me. And it's like, trust me, like people are so much more worried about their own projection to other people that they're really not thinking about what you like them, what you're being like, they're more worried about what they're being like. And like, I guess that's exactly what you're saying. Like, yeah, Yeah. you have to, in any career, you have to push past that feeling of like, Oh, I'm looking like an idiot right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just, you can't let that overtake you and you can't let that doubt like make you falter because yeah people are attracted to the most genuine people and the people who put themselves out there and yeah if you can have a good time doing it then hell yeah like
0: <laughs> well and try and have a good time right i mean yeah. um your your industry i mean most industries are are of the nature where like if people realize that there are flexible individuals who who say yes and and put in their best into you know something that is adjacent that they're going to ask you, you know, I can think of like almost any industry would have instances like that. Like, you know, if you're a, if you're a waiter um, and they suddenly ask you to wait for a really grand function and you have not not done that before, but if you're, Mm. if you're, if you're the kind of person to put your hand up, guess what? They're going to turn around to you every time they're short on, you know, some uh, staff for a bigger event, or in, in your case, uh, they turn to you when they they're short on staff who present X, Y, Z niche of, entertainment um where they turn to other people and go oh they're probably gonna say no they've like very much shoeboxed themselves into this one area we can turn to pip and pip will probably just give it a go at the very least she'll just say yep i'll give it a go and then just turn up happy not like turn up like oh i can't believe i'm being forced to do this Mm. um just, just I guess, grab it with both hands and then mm. give it all you got.
1: That's it. That's it. Like, that's the main thing about, like, what I've learned, actually, from this industry. Um, and you probably recognize it as well when you see people on TV or in any media where you're like, man, they're not that great. Like, they're not that great at their job. But you know why that they're there is because they turn up on time, they have a good positive attitude, and they're easy to work with. Like, it kind of doesn't matter if you're bad at it because you'll get good at it. Like Mm -hmm. the more practice you do, you get good. But if you are the person who is like really reliable and people like to work with you, it's like you're good. Like you could work anywhere you want as long as you're easy to work with. Thank you for listening to the Future Tribe
0: podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast app.